Welcome back to the Cardiac Exchange by Medtronic. Please enjoy today's episode. Tessa, I hated actually to discuss it because there's, well, there's still a difference in the number of female surgeons and, and male surgeons. Do, do you do you experience that? Do you see that it's changing? It is certainly changing. And, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of, you know, at, at Michigan, I think at, at least 50%, if not slightly more than 50% of our trainees are actually women. And um, that is also something that we're seeing nationally. I don't have all the numbers, but I know that the the representation in the I six programs and in fellowships now is is really equalizing. You know, we're not seeing the same thing in the leadership roles yet. Um, but you know, Dr. Jenna Romano is um, president elect or in line for STS, so she'll be the first uh, female STS president, and so we're very proud of her at Michigan. And I think that really things are changing. Um, and so it's going to need to continue to change. The field will continue to change as women step into those leadership roles and mature into the more experienced surgeons. And and I think that'll be you know a good thing in a lot of different ways. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Natalie, well, is it more challenging for, for women to get into the specialty? I also think that in that way, compared to the stories and the things that I've heard you know, from what training was like 20 years ago, I think that it it has changed. And um, I don't get the sense at all that there is a particular barrier or a thought about you know, what your gender is when you're interviewing or applying for these positions. And my, our program is also on, you know, right at 50%. We're, we definitely have a large female representation. And uh, our chair, you know, he jokingly says, you know, oh, I, I like working with the girls. Some of them are much better than the boys. <laughs> so I think, I think it really has just become the norm now, which, which is great. Yeah. So yeah. Daniel, you heard that the, the girls are better than the boys. Yeah, absolutely. I have a younger sister. She's a third year medical student. Um, she's, you know, interested in pursuing a, a surgical field. Um, I think, you know, potentially breast surgical oncology. We'll see what she ends up doing, but um, we have, you know, the same thing, 50% representation of female uh, trainees in our I-6 program. We have um, one female thoracic surgeon, Dr. Carolyn Jones. She's the chief of thoracic surgery here and has been for quite some time. And then we have Catherine Wood, who was actually my former chief, went and did a fellowship in congenital at Emory and is um, back uh, as um, our director of, uh, of transplant. So, you know, it's um, it's been, I think, a, a very much needed change in the uh, workplace dynamics. And I think you're seeing it not only in uh, cardiothoracic surgery, but, you know, other specialties as well that have been historically male dominated, like neurosurgery, orthopedic surgery, and so on. Great. Yeah. So, what often is referred to is that it's 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 this specialty is challenging. You know the number of hours that you have to spend in the OR and the hospital. Do you find that challenging, Daniel, to combine it with your private life? Yeah, I mean it can. There's certainly things that pull in in both directions. My wife is actually also a physician. She's a stroke attending here at the University of Rochester, and we have a a 12 month old son. So, you know, the biggest impetus for me every day is to basically get home so I can see him before he goes to sleep. You know, I leave in the morning and it's dark and he's sleeping. And so most nights um, I'm just catching the tail end of right as he's getting ready for bed or um, I get the opportunity to rock him to sleep, which is, you know, a real privilege and uh, something that I look forward to. 
but you know i love at the same time coming to work it's um what keeps me going every day i mean i think we all have an inner drive to achieve you know not only personal but professional satisfaction and it's hard to balance the two at times absolutely yeah do, do you think it will change in the in the in the coming years that the number of hours that you spent in the hospital will will be reduced or or i like to hope so i mean but uh, you know you never know i mean i think as a junior attending you're going to be expected to be available at, at any time when an opportunity presents itself certainly you're trying to build um, a referral base and um, you're trying to be a, you know a good team player to your partner so yeah. it's you know not going to be an easy time as a as a junior faculty either yeah yeah so james you know the, the more time you spend in the or or in the hospital the, the better doctor you become i mean you know you, you cannot deny that you know the more operations you perform the better you will become at the, that that surgery at the oh, same yeah. time of course the, the question is always that how, how how much is is needed you know and uh, any idea i mean i've had a lot of uh cases i think my case log something like 1500 right now and so really for the past year, people have been telling me I'm ready to go out and practice. So I don't really know where that transition happened, but I certainly feel comfortable taking on most things. And I can't even say exactly when that happened, but um, it's just one of those things where I kind of feel like, you know, when you know, and I certainly am not shy about asking for help. And, you know, the first time I have a dissection, I'm sure if I, if it's daytime, I'm probably going to ask one of my senior partners to be around to help. But a big part of my practice selection was based on the mentorship that was available, kind of knowing that, you know, I've got a little bit of a safety net there. Um, one of the partners who's sort of retiring is kind of staying around for the first year to be available as my assistant in any cases I want him to be in. And otherwise, he's just kind of Professor Emeritus up there. So uh, <laughs> it's a, yeah. a pretty nice setup that I'm going to. Excellent. Yeah, that's good. I, I What you mentioned, you know, that, that asking for help, if that is possible you know, from your colleagues, that is extremely important, especially when you start as a, as a doctor, when you become a consultant. Um, yeah, if you can reach out, there will always be challenging cases that you haven't seen during your residency. Agreed. So Tessa, in, in Europe, you know, a resident is only allowed to work 48 hours per week. I know in the US that's very different. I think the, 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 the maximum is now 80 hours per week still. What, what do you think of that? Is, is 48, 48 hours, would that be enough or do you question that? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I question, I think at times even the, the 80 hour work week, but I, I think that, uh, I don't know, this is a tough, a tough question, especially a tough one to have on the record, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that what I, I don't know, I think my, uh, mindset in training has really been to really just try to take on as much responsibility as I can. Cause this is the time right now to, to, like you said, the more you do, the more you're in the hospital, the more cases you do, the better you are. And what I see is that my attendings don't follow the 80 hour work week or that, you know, they, they are at least at Michigan and I'm sure it's different everywhere, but you know, they are responsible for their patients 24 seven, unless they're physically out of town and have signed their pager out. And so that means getting called in the middle of the night. That means rounding on the weekends. That means just being responsible. And I, I do think, and you know, whether or not you agree with that particular model, you know, if I was a patient and I had heart surgery, I'd probably want my surgeon to be the one notified if there was an issue while I was in the hospital. And so I don't know. I think I, I try to just manage my my patients and whatever that means and whatever that takes. And over time, as I've matured and kind of gone through the training, I, you know, there are some things that you need to be in the hospital to do. There are some things that you can do from home and you learn to manage that as you transition into that leadership role. So 
I, I think that the the number of work hours is not something that I've paid super close attention to, but rather, you know, the the mastery of how to t manage your time. And I, I don't know that 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 there's a set number um, for every person. I, I think 48 sounds like a really no, low number, though. <laughs> so. do, do you do you feel that you have enough time to, um, you know, for your family, friends? And, you know, and we sort of touched on this a little bit with the with the diversity question, but, um, you know, I actually I'm a mother of two. I have a three year old and a one year old um, at home. So I was actually, you know, pregnant uh, during my chief year of residency. And, um, you know, there's no good time, but that's definitely not the best time. <laughs> and, but, you know, I mean, I think that I think that that um, that is something that you just learn to balance, because if it's For so many years, I think I've seen women, uh, and I'm sure men too, going through this rigorous training model and getting to the end of it and then realizing that, especially for women, because of the time, you know, the biological time clock, it's, you know, then you get to the end and you may have missed some opportunities. And so I think it is really important for, for us as young surgeons to just make sure you're prioritizing those personal things in life, because I, I don't necessarily think it gets better. And I think that you really just have to find a way to do it all and have it all throughout the process because training is hard, but I've also heard that your first couple of years as an attending are actually the hardest of your, your life. because that's when it's, you know, really you're on your own and doing it. And, and then, and then you probably learn, you know, it, it may get a little bit better, but I think it's really about managing, managing it all. And it's not going to, you know, thinking that you're going to get to this point where all of a sudden you have all this extra time and then your life will start. I think maybe that's a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Is, is, and Natalie, maybe, do you have any ideas how, how, how we can improve the situation? Is, is it possible or is it just a lifestyle that you have to adhere to and that's it? Oh, I love this question. I think this is a great question. Um, <laughs> I first off, I really um, I second and absolutely believe in everything that Tessa said. And um, I really think that our generation is changing things. And it's talks like this that um, I think make it better for the next people to come through training. Um, because I was at a STS meeting and I heard fellow older than me talk about how she was pregnant during fellowship and she was telling stories. And then I went on to do the exact same thing. And I also have a one-year-old and another um, on the way. And I just think that by hearing her say that, like I believed it was possible. And so um, I think it's really great to have these discussions and for the next generation to hear us talk about these things because uh, I think it, it helps them see how other people have done it. For, for me personally, just to answer your question, I am a firm believer in the 10,000 hour rule. I think that you really have to put the time in to be excellent. Um, but I love the time Monday through Friday. I think if there was some way to make the weekend time off a little bit more fair for trainees, I think that would be a great improvement. And I'm not exactly sure how it works yet as an attending. I have yet to sort of look into job options and what those contracts look like. But I think that being able to balance maximizing your learning during the week and then having a little bit more flexibility with your free time on the weekend would be a great way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I so just wanted to, is it okay if I just add one more yeah, thing? Yeah, sure. I agree with everything, Natalie. And I also realize I'm not sure how I 
came across, but I want to make sure that I don't give the wrong impression that I totally encourage female trainees to pursue their, you know, their, their personal goals and their family planning goals. And it's certainly hard, but I, but it's definitely doable. And I think the more of us who go through it and the more of us who normalize that process, the better we make it for everybody going forward. And as we get into those leadership roles, we then remember what it was like and we have our families and hopefully have that balanced um, mindset for, and at least a value for having a balanced life, at least thinking that that's a good thing to, to strive for. And so I definitely want to, you know, make sure I've conveyed that I encourage people to, to do it and to make it a priority and to talk to those of us who've been through it if needed. Absolutely. Yeah. Point. So Daniel, did you get any advice from, from your trainers and you know, how to, what, what to do during your residency? Yeah, I'm sure I got, you know, a ton of advice. Uh, none that I can really think of off the top of my head, you know, just come into work every day, keep an open mind, stay positive, learn as much as you can, uh, do your job, take care of your patients, and, you know, go home and spend time with your family. I think if you can achieve all of those things, you know, you can probably excel in both the personal and professional space, having the right attitude. So, so James, maybe I, I had this, you know, when when you see multiple surgeons operating or how they manage their, well, their, their personal life as well, you pick certain things from this person and other, you know, things from another one. What, what, what is the most important lesson that you learned from, from your trainers? Um, I think that when you have the decision to be somebody who's difficult to work with, who's, you know, you could be a person who makes people's days worse or make people's days better. And so I try to always focus on being very, very positive when I'm in the OR, when I'm on the floor, everything like that. And I think that that just pays huge dividends because, you know, everybody wants to work with a nice person. Nobody wants to work with the jerks. And if people want to work with you, people are going to do everything they can to make your life a little bit better. You get fewer calls from the nurses at night because they like you and they want to make sure that you're well rested the next day. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, just being positive brings a lot of good things to your life if you can do that. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe at medtronic.com slash cardiac exchange to hear the next portion of this conversation and to find additional podcast content.